You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that's willing to get all up in your business about holiday gift exchanges. More about that later. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about college equestrian. As loyal listeners know, Auburn has completed its fall season about two weeks ago, but the rest of the teams in the SEC have still been riding in their quest for second best. Now this Friday, Georgia took their first road trip of the season over to Blythewood, South Carolina to face the Gamecocks. Now before we jump into that recap, let's set the stage a bit here. Previously in SEC Equestrian, every team has ridden against Auburn and they all lost. But in Georgia's case, they did far and away better against Auburn than anybody else did. But that was a home meet for the Bulldogs. And as we all know, home meets on your own horses, in front of your own fans, tend to improve a team's performance. Now, Auburn didn't have their best rides that day, and Georgia almost pulled that upset, losing only 8-10. to 10. In those other two meets, Auburn pretty much dominated. When they went over to South Carolina, the ladies won 14-5, and when they hosted Texas A&M, the Tigers won 15-5. So that's how Auburn got their 3-0 on the season. That left three other non-Auburn meets that would hopefully shed some light on the rest of the conference's pecking order. Now, you'll remember how Texas A&M, they rode against Georgia the day before coming over to Auburn. The Aggies barely lost at Georgia 9-10. The next week, last week, Texas A&M welcomed South Carolina over to College Station, and they whooped them 13-7. So, going into the final fall meet between Georgia and South Carolina, the SEC standings had Auburn at number one. Number two was Georgia at 1-1, one and, one, and number three was Texas A&M with 1-2 and two record, and South Carolina was in number four with a record of 0-2. If Georgia had ends up winning this meet, then they would just hold on to second place all by themselves, and South Carolina would have remained down in fourth position. But a Gamecocks win would squeeze everybody together, except for Auburn, into a tie. So, let's see what happened. Now, before the lineups came out, I really wanted to believe that the Gamecocks could win this, but honestly, they had not shown a lot of life in their first two meets. So I imagine many folks felt that despite the preseason rankings, that this was probably going to be Georgia's day. Now, the first event here was Equitation on the Flat. For those less educated, this event is one of those fancy English riding events where you ride the horse around a big rectangle and then you get to do a bunch of different uh, ways of walking and trotting the horse and, and you do it all in a certain pattern and it shows that you've got that animal going. Both these teams have decent flat crews. Uh, South Carolina is led by Kit Cunningham and Trinity Hammerschmidt here and so they're the leaders and then they just sort of shuffle around the rest of the riders trying to fill out those, those top five. Georgia has an experienced flat lineup here led by Allie Trichler, Isabel Heckler, and Haley Marano. Georgia's experience carried most of the points here. They ended up taking a 3-2 lead in this event. 
Over in the Western style riding, uh, the first event there was raining. Now, raining is a pretty exciting event. There's lots of fast riding. Plus, you have these sudden starts and stops that make everybody cheer real loudly. And so it's a whole bunch of fun. Uh, going in, Georgia looked to have the stronger reigning lineup uh, with Courtney Bloomer and Jordan Carpenter typically winning their points. And then the rest of their riders are close behind, uh, just depending on what those head-to-head matchups are on a given day. Now, South Carolina's reigning team hasn't been great so far this season. Sloan Voigt has probably been their best returning rider in that event, um, and then everybody else, there's kind of a big drop-off. Well, this is the event where the Gamecocks surprised everybody. They had a pair of freshmen, Amelia Rutman and Emma Lane. They stepped up and they won their points, and uh, Lane actually took the Dern MOP ride in this event. Their performances plus Voigt's gave them three points in this event and made the overall total a 5-5 to tie at the halftime break. Now, next up would be Equitation Over Fences. This is another fancy English riding event, but with this one, you got about one minute to go around the ring and have a horse jump over about a dozen of these three-foot fences. Now, Carolina is decent in fences. Uh, They can usually count on getting a couple of points here from uh, sort of a committee approach from Hammerschmidt, Louisa Brackett, Madeline Schaefer, and Caroline Bald. Georgia, on the other hand, has some good, consistent standouts here. Haley Mariano, Rachel McMullen, and Allie Trichler. Plus, the Bulldogs have been getting some really good rides from their freshman rider, uh, Jordan Torig. So this looked to be an advantage for Georgia. Um, But because lineups are randomly assigned, sometimes you can get these certain matchups that lead to some unexpected points totals. And this is probably one of those times because South Carolina had a really good ride from Hammerschmidt, Schaefer, and Brackett, and they got three points out of those girls, and that gave them a three to um two win here in fences. So I think Georgia really expected to do better than that, but they ended up not even carrying the majority of points here. Meanwhile, over in the other ring, the final Western event, horsemanship, was going on. Now, horsemanship is very similar to reining, only you don't do the fast starts and stops. You kind of just ride around, do your pattern, show off your control of the horse, and then everybody claps a lot and you leave. Now, Georgia is typically really good here, too. Uh, Kendall Gill is a rider of theirs who's uh, getting a lot of her points this fall. They also have good point production from Taylor Burgess and Lexi Lane. When you look at their horsemanship riders and compare them to South Carolina, when they rode against Auburn and Texas A&M, Georgia tended to get about one more point versus Auburn and Texas A&M than South Carolina did against Auburn and Texas A&M. So it kind of favored uh, Georgia. Now, on the other side, uh, South Carolina, they have a top threat to score here, Alexa Thorpe. Um, And again, I think Georgia figured they were going to get most of the points, but it did not happen that way. So after the fences points has started coming down, these horsemanship points started coming, boom, boom, boom. And then the first three horsemanship points came out, and they were all for uh, South Carolina. So right there, the meet was over. They had gotten um, uh, 11 points, and that was it. They were going to win. Now, Georgia did go on to get the last two points in this event. Um, Also, there was a re-ride over in fences that Georgia ended up getting that as well. But uh, it didn't really matter because, you know, Carolina won it here real quickly. So it was, things really went from being very tight to being over and done in about 10 minutes. It was very, a weird, uh, weird moment there right as uh, uh, horsemanship got, got going. So 
Yeah, uh, so there you go. South Carolina gets their first win of the season, and now every SEC team not named Auburn is tied for second place with a 1-2 and two record. And so, the fall equestrian season has now come to an end. Hey Auburn family, we're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are, and we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales? T-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash E2C Network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com slash support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. So, how will all of this affect the rankings? Well, for the official Auburn Elvis rankings, I have Auburn, of course, at number one. But what do I do about the rest of these teams? Now, you could make a case for Georgia to remain at number two. Uh, They played Auburn the closest of anybody. But, of course, that was at home, which is a, a little easier to do. Um, I think you could also make a very good case for Texas A&M to be number two because their loss at Georgia was very close. Um, if one point had been flipped in that meet, then the Aggies would have been uh, two and one instead of one or two right now. The team I don't think you could really make a very good point for to be number two is South Carolina. They had a good home showing against Georgia that we just talked about, but they put almost up almost no fight when they hosted Auburn, and then when they went over to Texas A&M, Texas A&M pretty much handled them as well. So I am going to put Texas A&M back into the number two spot in the Auburn Elvis rankings. I really like their win over Carolina, and I appreciate how close they came to actually beating Georgia at Georgia. And also, I think there's a really good chance that they're probably going to beat Georgia again when they play in the spring and Georgia has to go out to College Station. So, Texas A&M is back into number two. I am going to drop uh, Georgia down to number three, and that means South Carolina will remain at number four. So, those are the official Auburn Elvis rankings. Now, as you know, I only rank the teams that are playing right now. Once we get back into the new year, I will look at the other NCAA teams and I will try to figure out which ones have some good riders coming back. I'll, you know, uh, look at some total point totals and stuff, kind of like what I did with the SEC teams. And then I will look add those teams into the rankings where I feel it's appropriate. But for right now, we're just ranking the four teams because those are the only ones riding. Now, the NCEA does not do it this way. They rank all the teams and I get why they do it, but I do not think it is fair. When you look at their rankings, they have Auburn at number one, which, yes, okay, they got that right. But then they have Oklahoma State at number two on the strength of what I can only assume must be some very good daily practice rides or some well-written press releases or something. Uh, So next, the NCAA has South Carolina at number three. Okay, they're actually out riding. So yes, you know, there's something you have to go by there. 
Uh, then they have Georgia at number four. Same thing with the dogs. They're actually competing, so it's appropriate to rank them. Uh, then they have uh, SMU at number five, which SMU has not won a meet in over 260 days. But, you know, counterpoint, the Mustangs have also only lost a single meet in that same time frame. So I guess only losing once is apparently pretty impressive to the NCAA. Now, up next, the NCAA has Fresno State at number six. Uh, the rankings voters must be really impressed with the way those Bulldog riders, they post to Instagram and, and stuff like that if they're going to put them against teams that have actually, you know, ridden like Texas A&M. Uh, the NCA has the Aggies next, ranked at number seven. And uh, then, you know, you have all the other rankings. I don't really have a problem with them because none of them have competed, so you're not really ahead of anybody. T- uh, TCU is number eight in these rankings. Baylor is number nine. And UC Davis rounds out their top ten. So. Let's hope that some of these teams' actual rides in the spring measure up to all the photo day pictures and hype videos that must be so impressive to the NCA rankings voters uh, out here in the fall. So now let's talk about Auburn's schedule in the spring. So as of this recording, none of the SEC teams have officially released their spring schedules. South Carolina accidentally released their spring schedule when they put out a poster and then across the bottom of it, they just show all the the meets and, you know, fall and spring. So from that poster, we know that Auburn will be hosting the Gangpox on Saturday, February 20th. But now we actually have some new dates uh, for Auburn. Uh, SMU has released their official spring schedule and Auburn is on it. Friday, February 12th, Auburn will be flying out to Dallas to ride against the Mustangs. But here is something else that I have noticed as well. Baylor has released their schedule as well, and they have an entry on their schedule where they don't list who the team is on Saturday, February 13th, which is that next day, and it just says to be determined. I predict that that will turn out to be Auburn. I think Auburn is going to fly over there ride against TCU, and then they're going to bust down over to uh, Waco and then go back and fly home and and be happy. So any Auburn fans out in the mid-Texas area, you might want to start making plans for the second week of February and go see Auburn on the road. Whoa, whoa, we have a breaking schedule update. Right after I finished recording the podcast, Texas A&M came out with their schedule release for the spring. And we can see now that on February the 13th, we are not going to be going to Baylor as I projected. Instead, we're going to be going over to Texas A&M, y'all. So that means on that little road trip on the 12th, we're going to be in Dallas riding against SMU. And then we're going to bus over to College Station. And then we're going to ride against Aggies on the 13th. So wanted to put in that little update here and now back to the show and now let's take a step back from talking about sports and how good Auburn is and let's talk about a personal message I want to hit y'all up with now we are coming up on the holiday season so I want to take a few moments and talk about holiday gift exchanges now I know this is outside the realm of where the show usually goes but stick with me here I think I have a worthwhile idea that some of y'all might like to hear So, think about how the typical holiday gift exchanges work. Uh, There are these events, usually in your office or with your family. Uh, Many times, folks will do something like a white elephant, Yankee Swap, Secret Santa maybe, or Dirty Santa, all kinds of weird stuff. Sometimes these work, uh, but a lot of times they do not work. A lot of times, 
you got, you know, some gift price limit and folks go way over it or some go way under it. And then it just causes, you know, resentment. Sometimes folks put way too much thought into the gift and it's a little creepy. Sometimes they don't put any thought into the gift and, you know, it's a little offensive. Uh, other times, you know, people are taking it too serious. People are making jokes and the jokes don't work. It just creates a lot of hassle and stress. And it kind of gets us further and further away from the actual point of the holidays. And you, when you add into it this whole thing about COVID, and we're not even sure how we're really going to be doing these sorts of holiday things this year, uh, it's just a lot of disappointment with the traditional way that a lot of these gift swaps are done. But I have the solution for y'all. Now, this is an idea that I came up with years ago. And I think with COVID-19, this is really the perfect time to use my little platform here on the podcast and put this idea out there and see if it can help any of y'all. So here is what you should do. In your group, you set some gift price limit. Maybe it's $15, $20, $30, whatever. So you set a price limit. Then you tell everyone in the group to go out and buy a new toy that is a modern version of a toy that you had as a child that was very special to you. Now, I say a modern version because some of y'all are old and your favorite toy might be too dangerous now. So just come as close as you can. So everybody goes out, they buy this toy that was real meaningful to them when they were a kid. And then everybody shows up at the event uh, normally. Now, if it's over Zoom, then you just do it that way too. Everybody gets and logs in to Zoom and you've all got your toys there. So instead of doing a, a gift giving or swapping the way you would do in the other situation, what you do now is you go around the room and you have each person show the gift and then tell the story of why that toy was so special to you as a kid. And then you just go around, everybody does that one after the other. At the end of the event, all of the toys are going to get collected and they get dropped off at a local charity and they get given away to needy kids. So, so that's the idea here. And the beauty of this idea is that it takes the focus away off of each of us getting gifts from each other. And instead, it puts the focus on how these gifts have impacted everybody's lives and how those toys can now impact these needy kids in that same way. So you're really creating these really, hopefully, the, these new kind of memories for these needy children as well. And let me tell you, this idea works. Uh, I've done this before at other places that I have worked and stuff. And let me tell you, it is really cool. There's this one time where uh, I was at a, uh, worked at a marketing agency. There was this older dude. Uh, he was a creative director for us. And he brought in a new basketball. And so when it gets around his turn, he shows us the basketball. And then he goes on to tell us about how when he was a kid, his dad was a part-time sports reporter. And so they would drive around during the season um, and they would go to all these high school games uh, all around the state. And he would watch the games and his dad was reporting on them. And he just remembers this was one of his favorite memories with his dad just driving around the state and going to these high school basketball games. So he brought a basketball as, you know, the, hey, this was so meaningful to me as, you know, when I was a kid. And I tell you, we did not know that about this guy. And I still remember how cool that story was to this day. So that's the kind of experience that I think uh, y'all have the opportunity to have here if you do it this way. And like I said, this could work even if you're doing it remote in your business too. So you know, now if you're remote, you may have to have some people drive around and collect all the toys up for everybody, or you could just put out a list and say, hey, 
you know, go over here, this fire station is collecting toys or, you know, this, this hospital is doing it or whatever, this church, it should not be too hard to find places that are going to be giving uh, toys away to needy children. So, you know, local churches will do it. You can find some places. So that shouldn't be the, don't let that be the deal breaker. So I really think this could be a positive change to the way we, we you know, our culture kind of makes this into a stressful hassle a lot with the holidays. And so I, just as we're getting into the holidays, I just thought about this and I wanted to pass it along to the listeners because I, I really think this could help. And speaking of the holidays, we have a lot to be thankful for over here at Auburn. Um, you know, Auburn Equestrian is again undefeated and we are looking to keep on breaking new records in the sport. So... That is our show today. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Oh, thank you very much for listening. War Eagle and War Horses. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?